Blog Talk Radio. Let me get you a paper, sister, and we'll get started. Let me get you a song list, and we'll get started. You feeling a little better? Good. Let's get us a red songbook. Let's stand together. Let's turn to number 67. We're going to sing at Calvary this morning. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned. To Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary Now I've given to Jesus everything Now I gladly own him as my king now my rapture 
your soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Written by a wayward son. Amen. It ran from ran from God and ran from God and ran from God. Finally he came to see. He wasted so much and all he needed was Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's all any of us needs. Good to see you this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> I thank God for just being able to wake me up and get me up here. Praise God. And uh, it's just good to see all of you this morning. Do we have any prayer requests? I have a couple, but yes. Really? Where did Dad go? Well, we'll just wait on Dad to get back. It'll be all right. Brother Byron, you're needed in the auditorium, please. But anyway, we'll get him in here. Any others? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Your knee? Yes, ma'am. Amen. Sure will. Sure will. Others? Yep. Pray for you, Judd. Pray for um if y'all was here Wednesday, all of y'all were here Wednesday, but she's she's uh she's applied well, she's she's applying for a position and plan operations there at PJC, which will boost her salary quite a bit. Uh, come in just a second, brother. I need to talk to you just a second. Um and uh and and then at the same time her own office uh, office where she you you're fine right there, brother. You don't have to come all the way up here. But anyway, I'll tell you in a second. But anyway, uh, so she's she's her office where she's at. They want to keep her, so they're hoping they can up the salary and match what they're offering. So either way, it's a win-win, hopefully. So praise God, and hopefully that all comes through. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, and and me and uh, me and Tammy were talking about it earlier back there in the fellowship hall. Well, all of us were back there. Uh, but there's a, there was a young lady, and she was from New Boston. Am I right? And a tragic thing occurred. I mean, uh, uh, this other woman friended her and ended up murdering her and trying to take her baby out of her womb, and the baby died too. And and a plot her and her boyfriend put together. But this 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 woman that was that was murdered. Her grandmother. I went to we went to church with her grandmother. Uh, all my growing up, I've known that family. So please be in prayer. I, I mean, I. The, the young lady that was killed, I don't remember her name, but I know the grandmother's name is Cindy Gross. And uh, like I said, we went to the same church growing up, and, and uh, my heart just broke for that family. Huh. Reagan, Reagan, Reagan Hancock. Reagan Hancock. Well, please pray for the Hancock family, and please pray for the, pray for the Gross family. You know, you hear about stuff like this, but this one hits close to home. These people I know. Right. Yeah, she had a three-year-old daughter. I just can't imagine. And it all happened while the little girl slept. Can't imagine her, her waking up to discover she don't have a mommy anymore. That's just horrible. 
please pray for that family. That's just that just goes to show you what evil exists in the world, and we live next door to it sometimes and don't even know. We need to really be praying that God just protects and takes care of us in this old world we live in. Um, but go from that, let me go to something a little better. Amen. Scott told me you had a birthday, so well that's what, <laughs> not yet. It ain't quite over with because we we've left with this one formality we're gonna take care of. Y'all ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Byron. Happy birthday to you. Amen, brother. God bless you. Amen. We ain't gonna ask you how many. It really don't matter at this point, does it? <laughs> huh? You lost count? I said it. You you get to a point where it don't even matter. So uh, amen. Well, we're glad you we're glad you're here, brother. Amen. All right. Anything else before we pray this morning? Y'all be in prayer. We're gonna, we're having. Let me let me share this real quick, Scott. We're having a we're having a, a bridal shower for our soon to be daughter in law today. Wedding. Wedding shower. Okay. A wedding shower. Okay. I'm supposed to be here. I gotta come, they say. But anyway, uh, but y'all pray. Y'all pray for us. We're 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 trying to do what we can for them. So y'all y'all pray it all goes well. Um, you had your hand up, somebody, Scott. Okay. Right. Amen. I bet they do. I bet they do for sure. I know I would. All right, anything else before we pray? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to meet with us, bless the offering, and uh, be with all the needs that have been mentioned. Go ahead, brother, lead us in prayer. I'll pray for them, Father, once again, the church, 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 Turn to 113, 113, 113. Thank you, sir. Purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long, perfect submission, perfect delight, presence of rapture, 
on my side. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. I don't know how people. I don't know how people get along that don't believe in eternal security. I really don't. I, to think you could just lose your salvation all the time. What a, what what joy is there? Amen. What comfort, what peace when you're constantly afraid that Jesus is going to snatch your gift away that he's given you. That's not the way God is. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. Turn to number 11. I'm so glad I know the truth. Amen. (coughs) I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply staying within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now faith am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, Love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful loving service due to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. 
love lifted me. Amen. Praise God. Turn to 62. Number 62. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me, and that is just the reason. I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. Seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and his love. Amen. And what a sweet thing it is when you can share the old story with somebody and see the working of God in them 
and see them come to the end of themselves and see them come to Christ and trust Him as their Savior. Hey, nothing better. Amen. It's, I mean, it's right up there with your own salvation. Amen. I haven't sang this one in years, but the Lord just laid it on my heart to sing this morning. With which to greet him 
Must I empty handed go? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty handed go? Take your Bible this morning and turn to John chapter 17. Our text verse this morning will be verse 18. And uh, we'll take that and we'll use that as our diving board and we'll jump off into another place to finish the thought this morning. But that's where we're going to start at in this 190th part of getting to know Jesus. Seems like a long time, and it has been a long time. It's been longer than I've been here. It's been quite a, quite a long time that I've been in this, but it has been one of the most rewarding Bible uh, series that I have ever preached, just to go through the Gospels with a fine-tooth comb and study our Lord and our Savior and, and study everything that he did. i got to find my place here. Give me just a second, and I'll find it. All right. John chapter 17. And I I hate that. I don't know that we have to read down all that way, but we know that we're in the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And uh, we've talked talked all the way through this thing. That, uh, you know, and I really don't know a good place to jump in. I hadn't really thought about it, but I guess we can uh, can find a spot here. We'll start verse 14, read down. I don't like to just read the verse. We'll read down to it. Start in verse 14. Jesus said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And let's go to the Lord this morning in a word of prayer and ask God to bless the message. Father, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, we are very needful people. Lord, we desire to hear from thee. Lord, I don't want them to hear from me. I want them to hear from heaven this morning. Lord, I put myself in your hands and I turn myself over to you. Lord, I I crucify this flesh to you, Lord, and I ask you, please, to use me for your honor and glory, Lord. I do not desire any of the credit, Lord. I know it's all you. So, Lord, I plead with you, please, accept this vessel, Lord, and pour yourself out in me. Please, Lord, I just want to glorify Jesus. I just want to honor him. Lord, I pray for each one under the sound of my voice, those that are here within the auditorium and those who are listening to us electronically over the internet, whatever means they found us. Father, we're grateful. We pray, Lord, for someone who's lost, for them to be saved today. Lord, for someone who's backslidden, for them to wake up and come to the realization that they they owe you their life. They owe you their everything because of all you've done for them. Lord God, I pray for the saints in this room this morning, Lord, that you'll do a work in us and we'll study our own, we'll study our own lives. We'll study our own motives and our plans and lord we'll think on these things father i just pray now that you just put your hand upon me and that you'll use me for christ's honor and glory 
and we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. John 17, 18, Jesus said, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Okay? Well, why did Jesus come into the world? Y'all remember? He, the Son of Man has come not but to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay? So he said, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And and certainly that's what the apostles did. They 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 preached. Uh, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost to the to to all the uh, Jews that were there, and they and three thousand of them were saved. And 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 then after that, uh, you know, P, uh, Peter was sent to to Cornelius's house, and he preached to them. And then Paul was and Barnabas were sent out to the Gentiles, and and churches began to be established, and the word of God began to be published throughout the world. And and and, and we're here today because of it all. So certainly that's the reason, that's what Jesus was saying, and, and thank God that there were soul winners, amen, because if not, none of us would be here. Amen. Thank God for soul winning Christians. And, and, and let me just say to you this morning, you ought to have a heart to win souls. Maybe you've never won a soul personally yourself, but you ought to have a heart to win souls. You ought to have a desire to win souls. And when I say win souls, I do not mean to, to throw that word out there flippantly. I realize that you and I cannot make anybody get saved. There's no way in the blue moon that I can talk anybody into getting saved, if, though I wax eloquent as can be, I cannot do it. The Holy Spirit of God has to be working with me and working through me and has to reach inside them and show them their lost condition and show them that they need Jesus to wash their sins away to be the payment for their sins and that his death, burial, and resurrection are, are the completion of that act, and that is the gift of God unto salvation to everyone that believed, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. <clears throat> that is our purpose on this earth, in a nutshell, is to lead people to the point to where they know that Jesus is that gift of God that he has provided salvation for them and that they can have it and it's nothing that they have to do but trust and believe. <clears throat> now, as I, as I was reading and meditating on John seventeen eighteen, I got to thinking about this and what he said and I could think of some passages in the New Testament that kind of line up with John seventeen eighteen, as thou hast sent me into the world, even, have, so also, even so have I also sent them into the world. But there was a place in the Bible that, that, my, that the Holy Spirit kept drawing me back to. So turn with me to Isaiah 61, if you would. Isaiah 61. And this is a, it's a, a very important passage of Scripture to me. <clears throat> when I first surrendered to the ministry, I, I, I had a subscription to the Sword of the Lord newspaper that my mother had got me. And I read a lot of messages in there. And I believe it was in there in the Sword of the Lord that I read. And, and, and mind you, I just I just gotten into the ministry. I was just starstruck by all these old preachers of the past. And I read somewhere that Billy Sunday before he that Billy Sunday wore out every Bible that he owned in one spot. It was Isaiah sixty one. He wore out he wore out that Bible in that spot because every time he got up to preach, 
He opened up his Bible to Isaiah 61 every single time. And there's a reason for that. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, it says, For the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. He opened his Bible to that one particular place every time. And when I first set out in the ministry, and I was out here at Lane's Chapel Baptist Church, out toward Box Elder, back in a little Sunday school room, uh, back there, I, have, I was scared to death. I just, I'm just greenhorn. I didn't know what I was doing. I just got into the ministry. Really didn't have a whole lot of education. Didn't really have a whole lot of of support either i just was kind of flailing out there by myself and all all i had to hang on to was was what i was getting from the word of god and from the preaching i was getting the sword of the lord and and god god taught me some things through that but i used to sit back in that sunday school room and i'd take my message and i'd lay it on top of isaiah 61 i'd put my hands on both and i'd pray and if i'd close that prayer saying lord i'm gonna take my hands off of this message and i'm turning it over to you and I pray your power be upon it. And I, I did it every Sunday morning. I wasn't superstitious in doing that. I just I, I, I felt like, you know what, if that was good enough for Billy Sunday, it was good enough for me. Now, I don't do that anymore. I used to leave the pulpit Bible open to Psalm, I mean, uh, Isaiah 61, and I wouldn't be opposed to that today. But, I, but this, this verse of Scripture is very powerful and very meaningful. This is, this, we could call this Jesus' mission statement. Who is it referring to? It's referring to the Savior, and we're going to see that in just a minute. But I want us to look at it this morning, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. We're going to look at the things that it says here, and we're going to apply this to our Scripture this morning. But let's begin there at the first of Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Of course, this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we'll say that in just a second. But John three thirty four says, For he whom God hath sent... Speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The one who goes forth to speak the words of God, God will abundantly pour out his Spirit upon them. I want you to keep that in mind in light of what I just said to you about us being a soul winner. Amen? Again, I realize I can't make anybody get saved. I can't do it. God does it through me. But in being a soul winner, I cannot do it without the Spirit of God upon me. I must have the Spirit of God. Anything that you do for God, you must have the Spirit of God or it's you doing it in your flesh. And nothing can come of it. <clears throat> the Lord told us in Acts chapter 1, He told, his, he told, he told him on, on the other side of Calvary, on this side of Calvary, right before He was resurrected into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. Ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, he said... When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, that's when you'll receive power. Well, how do we have, How does that happen? Well, it takes, it takes a Christian realizing that they cannot do anything apart from the Lord. Jesus said, he, he, he said, without me, 
ye can do nothing. So we must have we must have his power. How do we have his power in this life and this flesh today? We have it through the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ who dwells within us. And we must have that Spirit come upon us. There's a difference between just simply being saved and having the Spirit living within your spirit. There's a difference between that and having the Spirit come upon you in power. When you set forth to do something for God, you need His power controlling you. You need Him speaking. I can't get up here this morning and preach without praying and asking for the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon me. Otherwise, you'd just be hearing me talk. I need God. You need it, by the way. You need the Spirit of God to receive what I'm trying to give you. You can't get anything unless you ask God to reveal it to you through the Spirit of God. <clears throat> but he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. That's what happens when the power of the Spirit gets upon a Christian. It's not. Listen, the power of the Spirit does not get on a Christian so they can flop around in the floor down by the altar. He doesn't get upon a, a, a child of God so they, so they can sit here and talk in languages they too can't even understand. No, that's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches when a Christian gets filled with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God comes upon them, they witness for Christ. They witness the gospel. They witness of the gospel. <clears throat> Somebody might say, well, he was talking to his disciples there. Well, his disciples, he said, he said in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, while they may have tried to reach the uttermost parts of the earth, they did not reach the uttermost parts of the earth. It was not those early disciples that reached the uttermost parts of the earth. It is you and I still reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. It is missionaries today still reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. All these things did not come to pass in the, in the days of the apostles. This is continuation. This is to us today as well. We must have, we talked last week about uh, sanctification, remember? Stay with me this morning. Stay with me. Amen. We all should have went to bed earlier last night. Amen. Stay with me. If I can stay awake and preach, I'll stay awake and listen. Amen. All right. We talked about this offering plate. We're not going to use it for anything else. Why? Because it's separated to God. It has a purpose, right? It has a distinct purpose. You and I have a distinct purpose. To think that God made everything in this world with all the systems that control everything in, in biology and I mean within the the, the 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 systems of this world, how everything works. God was so intricate in everything. I mean, if you ever looked at a butterfly's wings under a magnifying glass, it would blow your mind. It's it's just crystals. I mean, everywhere. It's just I mean, just just simple things that God made. A giraffe's a heart that expands and contracts so he doesn't pass out when he raises his head and lowers his head. I mean, God is incredible in his intricacy of things. And to think that he made a, a believer to just sit around and do nothing, that's ridiculous. We are here with a reason. We're here with a purpose, and we're missing it a lot of the time. I think that's why we feel so unfulfilled as Christians in this day that we live. You see, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus said. And the Spirit of the Lord God is within us if we're saved. And He wants to, he wants to come upon us in power, fill us, if you will. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wording that a little wrong, but I'm trying to give you the, the, the idea of it. It's not just Him sitting back there doing nothing. No, he wants to have every fiber of our being. He wants to have every speck of our life and use us. And I, and I, 
I realize you got a life to live. You got things you got to do, but that doesn't mean that's going to hinder the Holy Ghost at all. The Holy Ghost can work while you work. The Holy Ghost does that. You don't have to shut you down and let the Holy Spirit of God work, but you got to be responsive to Him and looking for Him to work and lead you, and let Him lead you when the time comes. Ephesians five eighteen says, "And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." There's the command right there to be filled with. The Spirit, and if we're not filled with the Spirit, then we need to come to God and say, Lord, I'm not living up to what I should be as a Christian. I need to be filled with your Spirit because I'm falling down. I'm, 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 I'm not being what you want me to be. I, I, I'm blowing it. I, I, I'm failing. I'm sinning in this area of my life or that area of my life. I need you. I need the power of God working in my life. So he said, the Spirit of God, the Lord God is upon me. The second thing he said is because the Lord hath anointed me to preach. I'm afraid I'm going to run out of time this morning. I'm trying to hurry, but I've got a lot to say. <clears throat> it's always the case, ain't it? Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach. Turn your Bible to Luke. Turn over to Luke real quick. I want you to see it there. Luke. You know, it's, it, it would amaze you that I sit there on a Saturday sometimes thinking, I'm going to run out of stuff to say way too early. I do it every week. Every week. And she always says, you're not ever going to do that. Right. And there I am pulling. Here I am pulling out what hair I got left out going, I ain't going to have enough. I don't know why I ever think that. But anyway. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. This is, this is where Jesus, he came to Nazareth and went into the synagogue. The Bible says there he came to Nazareth he went where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, I understand how this happened. They didn't have a Bible they handed them. They had a scroll. And on that particular day, the, the priest grabbed, or whoever, it was scribe or priest one, they, gra they, they grabbed the roll of, of Isaiah, I'm assuming it was the priest, and handed it to Jesus. And the place where they had it open, the Bible says, it said he stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, or Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now understand something. This scripture is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. They All the prophecies through the Old Testament were constantly read in the, in the synagogue. They're constantly reading about the Messiah who's to come. And on this particular day, Jesus took that role and stood up and read this prophecy about the Messiah, and he said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. What was he saying? I'm here. This is me. I am here. Now I want you to notice something. And I think this is important that you notice this. Look here in verse 19. He said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book. Now, why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Well, because if you look at the original, 
uh, in, in Isaiah, it says, Proclaim and accept the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, let me explain something to you. <laughs> the Old Testament prophets, when they're prophesying about the Messiah who's to come, in their prophesying, they prophesied about his first advent when he came and was born of a virgin. They prophesied of that. They also prophesied of his second coming when he is to come back and sit on the throne of David. They prophesied about both events. But there was one thing that they did not prophesy about. They did not prophesy about the church because they did not know anything about it. They saw, they saw, look here, they saw the first coming and his sitting on the throne of David. They saw that as one event back then. They didn't understand this age of grace wherein you and I live. They didn't understand all about the Gentile church that you and I are a part of today. They didn't realize that. So Jesus, he ended his reading right there where he said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and he didn't go into the day of the vengeance of our God because that wasn't there. He wasn't there for that. He had not come for that. And so he stopped right there. Well, what is he saying? The Lord hath anointed me to preach. The Lord hath anointed me to preach. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, the Bible says, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who have also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. God has anointed you and I as his children to go into this world and preach the gospel. We've been given, remember we talked about those two words, exousius and dunamis. Exousius means authority. Dunamis means power. God has given us the exousius to go into this world and preach the gospel. God has given us that, that authority. We don't need any authority from anybody else. We have that authority from him. The third thing he said here, he said he, ca he came to preach what? Good tidings unto the meek. Good tidings. It equates to good news. What does that mean? That's the gospel, okay? He, cut, he said he sent me to preach the gospel unto the meek. Psalm 37, 11, the Bible says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Interesting that the Bible talks about he preaches good tidings unto the meek in Isaiah, and he says unto the poor in Matthew chapter 5. Well, Matthew chapter 5, and I don't want to go into all this long, drawn-out stuff, but let's just it's, it's just interpreted in the New Testament because of the Greek. It's interpreted poor, but in the, in the Hebrew it was interpreted the meek, but they both mean the same thing. What do they mean? They mean empty. They mean at this point the person who is empty and realizes their need of a Savior. They've come to the end of themselves. They, 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 have quit, they have run out of things to fill the void in their life, and they've come to the realization, only God can fill this hole in me. This world can't satisfy this need I have. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize that they cannot fill that void, and they come to him and they say, Lord, I need you to fill the void in my life. I need you. 
Now, I said the prophets couldn't see this. First Peter 1, 10 and 11. Here's the scripture I was looking for. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it, testi- when it testified before him the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. They didn't understand where all this stuff fit. They didn't get it. And that's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this try to try to make this clear to you. I want you to follow me on this. <clears throat> when you're reading the Bible, understand that Calvary, we'll use this microphone, is the dividing point. Okay? Everything back over here, Old Testament, everything over here, New Testament. Okay? When when let me just try to make this clear. When when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did God do? God killed an animal, he made coverings for them, and he preached to them. You say, he preached the gospel? Well, it wasn't that Jesus was going to die on the cross because they didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't tell them all that. What did he do? He showed them that there had to be a sacrifice for sin, a blood sacrifice. Why did Abel sacrifice a lamb? Because his mom and dad had sacrificed lambs. What did that say? That was saying there's a lamb coming. That was the gospel that they had. That was all they had. But they believed God, and it was counted to them for righteousness, just the same as Abraham believed God in the, in the understanding that he had. He trusted God. He believed that God was righteous and that he needed him. He believed that there was a Messiah coming. And therefore, that was counted to him for righteousness. All through the Old Testament, they sacrificed they sacrificed, uh, sacrificed animals. Sacrificed animals. Why? Pro, pro, pointing to the sacrifice that was to come. And they believed in that sacrifice. Did they know his name was Jesus Christ? No, didn't have to. They believed the life that God had given them, and they believed unto salvation. When John the Baptist came on the scene, what did he preach? Did he preach, did he preach Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose from the grave? No, he didn't because he hadn't done it yet. What did he preach? He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's almost here. He's almost here. And then what he began to preach when he saw Jesus walking that day, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. There he is. That's the one I've been preaching about. That's the one who was to come. And when John the Baptist was executed, what did Jesus begin to preach? He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm here. But the Jews rejected him, didn't they? They rejected him. And he went to the cross of Calvary. And then, the, and then after after Calvary, there's a transition period in the Bible, and then we get and then we get to where Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen one through four. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are also also ye are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's our good tidings to the meek. Wherever it has been, either on the backside of Calvary, pointing to the Messiah, pointing to the Lamb, that was the good tidings in that day. The good tidings in our day is he's come, and he's already been buried, and he's already rose from the grave, and hallelujah, he's coming again. That's, That's the good news we have today. Amen? And we are to preach it, and we have the authority to preach it. The fourth thing is I see here is he said, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To bind up the brokenhearted. You know, when it talks about brokenhearted, I know there's lots of, there's lots of, of loves that go wrong, and people get their feelings hurt, and, 
gets their heart broken, hurt like that. But that's not what this is talking about. When it says that he sent him to bind up the brokenhearted, it means crushed, those that are crushed. Psalm 147, 3 and 4, it says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Oh, don't you see God like the gentlest, the gentlest nurse that ever touched a patient? Oh, God's more gentle than that. God wants to heal what's broken in us. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. the Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That word contrite, again, it means crushed. How many people have we come across throughout life whose their, their, their life is just misery? They've been through so many things, and they don't understand why. I think I've told you this, but years and years and years ago, when I was still chasing my country music dream, I was in Nashville. I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you because I, it happened. But I was I was sitting in a in a bar in Nashville, Tennessee. This is years before I was a preacher, <clears throat> and I was listening to a man tell me how God couldn't be a God of love. Because God had let his wife and his two children be hit head on by a drunk driver. And and God couldn't be a God of love. He was crushed. And as bad as it was for me to be sitting in that bar, let me tell you what I told him. I t- and I wasn't no preacher. But I'm going to tell you something. I was a backslidden Christian. But even, even in, in the terrible place that I was at, in the terrible situation... I sat and I told that man, I said, you can't blame God for that. Don't blame God. God didn't make that man drink and get behind the wheel of that car. God didn't send that man down the highway drunk and not paying attention. God didn't do that. He said, well, God could have stopped it. I said, I know God could have, but God doesn't take our free will from us. And I tried my best, even though here I was in a backslidden condition. This man was crushed. So many people I've run across in the course of this life who've been so crushed by life. But listen to me, Christ can fix that. He can heal that. He can repair. He can make us strong. Malachi 4.2 says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And he said, And ye shall go forth as, and grow up as calves of the stall." We'll go out. You ever seen a you ever seen a horse or a calf that's been put up for the winter and you open the gate and let them out? Man, them things will run and kick and buck and have the best time. Just playing, running. They 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 feel good. They loose. That's the way God will do you. That's the way that's the way it is when Christ sets you free. And when Christ heals the brokenness of your life. He can change everything in an instant. And we know that. Those of us that are saved, we know that. Oh, that we'd take that to those that need it. The fifth thing I see in here, it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those are the ones who are enslaved to sin. They're they're just slaves to it. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee. 
and give thee a, for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I was thinking on verse 7 there. We're, we're talking about captives. We're talking about those who are held captive. They're enslaved, but it says they have blind eyes to bring, bring out the prisoners from the prison and those that sit in darkness so they, they can't see. You know, I got to thinking about something. Y'all remember that term Stockholm Syndrome? Let me read it to you, tell you what it is in case you don't remember. Stockholm Syndrome is a condition in which hostages develop a psychological alliance with their captors during captivity. This term was first used by the media in 73 when four hostages were taken during a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. The hostages defended their captors after being released and would not agree to testify in court against them. If you all remember, I think it was the Symbionese Liberation Army and Patty Hearst, uh, William Randolph Hearst's daughter, and she she uh, stood up for her captives, and and uh, and actually she went on and robbed another bank with them, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And she was uh, she she they tried to plead the Stockholm syndrome at her trial. But we say, why do you think about that? Because these people, they can't see that they're captives. They can't see that the devil has got them captive. How many people in this world? How many how many alcoholics in this world probably can't even see that they're captive? How many people who are who are who are wrapped up in sin completely? Wrapped up in I mean enslaved in a sinful lifestyle, in a cycle with, with friends who are, who are who are just as sinful as they, in a lifestyle, in a weekly uh, pattern that just puts them back in sin over and over and over again. And and, and all they need is Christ to come and, and open their eyes and show them that this is darkness and this will devour you and this will send you to eternal damnation. All they need is Christ, and the light comes on, and the darkness is gone, and everything is, is, is new again. Everything is brand new. Acts 26, 16 through 18, the Bible says, But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of the things which I will appear unto thee. He's talking to Paul. This is Jesus talking to Paul, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles whom I now send thee, what did he send him for? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness unto light. Those that sit in darkness, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are so, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Oh, God wants to turn them from darkness. There's so many people outside these walls, folks, who are in darkness, and they can't see that they're a captive to darkness. They can't see that the devil's got them captive. And, folks, if we just set them on our blessed assurance and hold on to our precious salvation and we never share it with anybody, they're going to split hell wide open. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, and that's certainly Satan. Listen, he's the little G God of this world, and all you have to do is look around and see that he's running this kingdom down here. And there's so many people caught up in it. He's blinded the minds of them which believe not. How do we shake our head? We say, I just don't understand why people can't see that Jesus is what they need. It's because they're blind. They're in darkness. They can't see the light because they're blinded in darkness. Understand that? You can't make you take a blind person. You can't make them see light. 
They have to be healed. We talk about people being lost. You know why they can't find Jesus? Because they're lost. When you're lost, you don't know where to go. That he hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Who's supposed to go take them the light? Well, ye are the light of the world. Isn't that what he says? It's us. Verse 6. And the opening of the prison, I'm not verse 6, but I'm sorry, the sixth thing. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. You know what I see in that? I see they're hopeless. They're in prison. They, they're, 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 they're locked away somewhere, bound up. They're hopeless. But I'm going to tell you something. There's hope for the hopeless. There is hope for the hopeless. In Revelation 3, 7 and 8, Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, He said, These things saith he that is holy and he that is true and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. He said, I know thy works, and behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. You know, God's good at opening doors that men shut. I think about that night Peter was sitting there in in, in jail, waiting probably an execution, and all of a sudden, chains fell off, door came open. He walked out, walked all the way over, knocked on the gate, and a little Rhoda come out. He said, open door, it's Peter. She run back to the house. Yeah, I don't believe I heard Peter's ghost out there by the gate. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'll get off of that. But but Christ opened the prison. I mean, we look at people and we say, there's no way. There's no way they'll ever get saved. Man, look how far off and look how far gone they are. Oh, my goodness. They have ruined their life. They've thrown everything away. But I'm going to tell you something. If God gets ready to open that door and set them free, there ain't nobody can hold that door shut. And what does it take? It takes somebody with a burden for them to stand between the living and the dead. As the Bible said, no man cared for my soul. What a sad statement that is. Let it not ever be said that somebody come into our midst and no man cared for their soul. Folks, we are the we we are the we are to stand in the gap. We are the watchmen on the wall. We are the ones who are to who are to warn the lost lest they go to that place of damnation. And lastly to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When is that time? It's now. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For as he saith, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in a day of salvation, have I secured thee, which means I helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We don't have another tomorrow. We don't know that tomorrow's coming. And I realize I'm probably talking to a room full of saved people. But I'm going to tell you, there's people out there today that need Jesus. There's people all around us. There's a young man I got on my heart right now that needs Jesus. I'm praying for his salvation. If God gives me enough opportunity, I'm going to share the gospel with him. Jesus said, 
Hebrews 3.15, that's not Jesus talking, but it says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. People need to realize today. That's what God always, he keeps saying today, 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 today. Don't wait, don't delay. If there's somebody God's got on your heart, you know what? You ought to go witness to them because you don't know if they'll get a tomorrow. If God's laid them on your heart, God intends for you to do something with that, that burden he's laid there. Again, John 17, 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. John 20, 21 and 22, he said, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. One last passage and I'm done. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What are we to teach them? Are we to teach them English? Are we to teach them math and science and social studies? We're to teach them that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose the third day, according to the scriptures. That's our, that's our message. Teach them that. And what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What's my, what are we supposed to teach them? To go and teach others and to bring them to the, into the church, baptizing them and teaching them, and that's how we got saved, is that faithful Christians down through the ages have followed the Word of God. And the Word and the Spirit of God has been poured upon them without measure as they have gone forth with the Word of God. God will give us the power if we will go forth with the Word and take the message to these lost people around us. Take these gospel tracts. Take these booklets. Take the scriptures that you've memorized and open your mouth and share the gospel before it's too late. And he said, in low, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I thank God he didn't expect me to do this without him. No, he wants me to go forth praying for the power of the Spirit of God to go and to let them know that Jesus is has died for their sins, and he's been raised from the grave, and he's, he's there to save, that it will heal their brokenness, that it will bind up the things that are broken. He will, he will give them peace beyond measure. He'll set them free from the things that have held them captive all this time, and he's got a purpose for them too. Folks, that's our job. That's our duty. Let's honor the Lord. Let's love on him by just obeying him. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. 383, if God's moved on your heart this morning, you need to come and pray.
I urge you to come. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you. If you just need to stand there and pray at your seat, that's fine too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you now. Lord, we realize our duty. Lord, I, I know that I haven't been all that I ought to be, and I haven't done all that I should do. And Lord God, I pray. I pray even now for the one that's on my heart, that's heavy on my heart, Lord, and I want him to be saved. And I pray even now, Lord, that you make you make a way and you work in his heart even now. You draw him to the to the cross of Calvary. Draw him to salvation. Lord God, I, I pray for each one that's under the sound of my voice, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, for this for this favor. Lord, I pray that you'd lay somebody on each one of their hearts, someone that they can witness to, someone who needs Jesus. Lay that burden upon their hearts. Oh, Lord, please make us a fruitful church. Make us a working church. We can't do it without thee, but with thee there's no stopping us. So, Father, I pray now that we come to realize that Jesus has prayed and asked the Father, ask you for the power for us to go forth and to continue his, his ministry. Lord, please empower us and give us what we need. And may we come submitting ourselves, sanctifying ourselves to you, giving ourselves over and saying, Lord, take us and do something with our life. Please, Jesus, we ask now that you be honored and glorified with our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 383, Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Let's sing number four. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow, amen. I hope pray that the Lord will take that and and keep churning that over in you until he lays somebody right in front of you. And when, and listen, when he does, don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. God don't get nervous. God doesn't get worried. He doesn't get bothered. He doesn't get nervous. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. If you got somebody in front of you that you want to see them saved, don't get don't get shaky and nervous. But I want to give you this little thought. God can use anything but silence. And too many, and I heard this a long time ago, but too many believers are like an Arctic river. We're frozen at the mouth. We need to ask God to unbow our mouth and make us good witnesses for him. Any word from anybody before we dismiss? All right. See you back here at 6 tonight, and uh, we'll be back in our study of Christ's commandments. Am I forgetting something? You're looking at me funny. Am I forgetting something? Okay, good. All right. 
All right, Brother Dan, dismiss us in a word of prayer.